Hello and welcome to the Spoko Radio Recap. We just finished the Miami of Ohio game, and I have the people's champ with me. Champ, I know you had to sweat that one out because you put a couple shekels on it. Tell me a little bit about what you were feeling at the end of that game. Oh, man. When we were only up 14 points there with about six minutes to go, we had that uh, big fourth down conversion. I had Iowa minus 23 and a half points for those of you listeners. So, yeah, I had a buddy in Vegas throw down a couple hundred for me in uh, that bet today. And, yeah, I was I was sweating it out. And then they, they got that huge turnover at the end and scored that late touchdown to literally – Win me my bet by half a point. I mean, how, how good is Vegas? I mean, literally half a point away, and I got the victory. So I'm I'm feeling a lot better now after sweating that last uh, second half out for sure. This is exactly why when you guys make fun of me about, like, the hook, this is why I always want the hook. I don't like betting 23. I don't like betting 24. I like to have that hook in there because you at least know where you got to win at. And, yeah, Iowa, you were texting me a little bit at the end. You're like, punch this in. You had to sweat it out <laughs> big time. But they, they did it for you with that lovely little bubble screen. Finally, Brian Ferentz seems to be learning a little bit. Yeah, that was the first bubble screen we saw all game. And what a perfect time for it. I mean, third and five from the six. A little Amir Smith-Marset action got in there. Beauty, he didn't even get touched. I mean, it was an easy touchdown. And then I had to sweat out that extra point to cover, but they made it. And uh, we were all good. Mr. Duncan, perfect on the night. I guess that we know who the kicker is going into the you know rest of the season. He was 5 for 5 on extra points. Made his only field goal attempt. It looks like he's going to be the guy. Yep, so um, we kind of buried the lead a little bit here, but Iowa wins 38-14 to 14 if you couldn't do that math right. Nate Stanley finishes with three touchdown passes. He's now only 20 touchdown passes away from passing Chuck Long. I don't think you and I and, and DC uh, on this week's show really anticipated Stanley being out there that long. This game was a little too close for comfort for the majority of the game, but what did you end up thinking about Stanley there? I mean, I think he played awesome. I, I, I think he missed a couple deep throws, but he also hit on a couple and drew some pass interference calls on a couple big long plays. But for the most part, Stanley played a great game. I mean, he was he tucked the ball when he needed to. He got a couple big first downs with his feet. I mean, he was hitting guys, you know, short check down passes, but also some intermediate routes. Uh, he had some good balls where he had some touch on that big play to Regani down the middle for about yep. 45 to set up a touchdown. That was a huge That one was underthrown even. Yeah, I mean, he even put a little too much. <laughs> he was so open that he didn't want to overthrow him, so he put a little too much touch on that one, but still a great play. Uh, but, yeah, I'd give – I think Nate Stanley played a hell of a game. It was one of his better games as a Hawkeye, I think. I mean, I understand the opponents weren't, you know, up to par with some of the teams we're going to be playing later in the year, but – for who we played, I think he played great. We only punted one time, so that should tell you a lot right there. And it wasn't a great punt. But, yes, yeah, Stanley finishes 21 <laughs> of 30 for 252 yards, 8.4 average, and that's good for a 70% completion percentage. So keep that on the docket this week when you guys start questioning if Nate Stanley was good or not good. But yeah, well well on uh, his way to the over-end year and our over-unders, what was it, uh, 62 and a half, that, I think? What that's was, exactly uh, I mean, it, yep. Starting at 70%, Jerome. I mean, your over's looking good there. Uh, my, the hype paid off, at least in the stats department. Maybe not in the game-wise for a while there, but the stats department, my overs are paying off. But, Champ, let's get to the actual recap here. What is your tweet-length recap of this game? Alright, so my tweet length recap goes something like this. Iowa stumbles in the first half, only up three, 
but regains its composure and puts the foot on the throttle in the second half and coasts to an easy 38-14 victory. My tweet length recap is very simple. Iowa runs past the Miami of Ohio Redhawks. I think it was important. We talked about this. I think every single person that has a podcast or a blog for the Iowa Hawkeyes discussed how important it was for Iowa to get off and running, and they finished this game with 213 yards on 41. They're counting 41 with Nate Stanley, so 41 carries. That's 5.2 yards a carry. They had two touchdowns. There was a couple there where Makai Sargent and Torn Young were probably a shoestring tackle away from breaking one and making a house call. But, Champ, what did you see from the run game? I mean, this was a big key for us. I think it was your number one key going into this game is establishing the run, and that's exactly what Iowa did. Throughout the game, they ran the ball. You know, there was drives where they would run four or five, six straight plays just kept pounding the ball and rotating the backs, too. That was a big thing. Makai Sargent did get the majority of the workload. We all probably thought that going in. But Torn Young, what did he have, nine carries? Yep. And even Goodson got in there and got nine carries. So, I mean, and they ran a couple jet sweeps to Amir Smith-Marset. That was another thing we talked about is getting Amir Smith-Marset the ball, whether it's in the passing game, whether it's the return game, whether it's running the ball, it's just getting him the rock, and they did that a couple times. Picked up a big first down on a on a jet sweep, you know, late in the second quarter or early third quarter. I don't remember the exact time, but yeah, I mean, the running game played well, and, and that is coming off the fact that our starting left tackle left the game early too, with Alaric Jackson going out early in that game. You know, some guys came in, stepped in, did a nice job. I, did, I mean, you didn't really notice a big difference when the left tackle left the game, so that's a good thing. If you're not noticing who the replacement was and he's not getting beat, that's a good thing. The running game, yeah, it was it was exactly what we needed to see from them. We just continue to build on that. 41 rushes is great. Just keep pounding the rock and spreading it out. I like that they got the true freshman in there late in the game, too. Get him some touches. Yeah, that was a good thing. And and what you mentioned, it's an NFL starting left tackle to boot. So it's not like it's just some ho-hum guy out there. Um, The Alaric Jackson stuff, haven't seen too much news yet. Um, Hopefully it's just a game or two thing and not something too serious. But that brings me to another point and another little thing I want to run here, champ. We're going to have an ongoing weekly uh, successometer for Brian Ferentz. We are officially calling it the Brian Ferentz successometer. There are five different categories here. The worst one is Greg Davis is better. The second to last one is where's Ken O'Keefe. Right in the middle is punting is winning. The next best is next Patriots OC. And finally, next Iowa head coach. Where are you, champ? The most... I think level-headed one on Brian Ferentz on the Spoko Radio Show. Where are you this week with Brian Ferentz? I'm going to give him new Patriots OC after this performance. I think I think BF had a great, great game. I tweeted it out during the game that, you know, you got to give credit where credit's due. I think he was calling a great game. You know, besides some of those third and short play calls, that's why I didn't go all the way to – I was an ex-head coach because he still has some work to do. We don't want to, you know, annoy him, the head coach, just yet. I mean, he's got some things to do. But for the most part, he mixed things in well. That was the big key we talked about, that we needed to have different personnel groupings out there. We saw multiple times where we had two running backs in the game. We saw multiple times where we had three, four wide receivers in the game. And what the biggest thing, I mean, this is going to seem like a small play, but there was a play early in the first half where Torn Young was in the game, and they ran a pass play to Torn Young. 
And that hasn't happened a lot. When Usually, DC talked about this a couple weeks ago. When Torn Young's in the game, it's primarily that you know they're going to probably run the ball or play action. Torn Young doesn't get involved a lot in the passing game. And that, I don't know what you thought. I don't know if you even remember that play because it was such a, I mean, it was like a six-yard pass. It went for seven yards, yep. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, I thought that was a big moment for Iowa that to get him the ball in the passing game. What, what did you think about that? I, I'm with you. There was two moments for me, too, outside of that torn young one, both to Makai Sargent, one of which was on that third and long that um, I think he went for like 47 total yards. Sargent made a couple people miss and, and kind of shot out of a cannon there, but it was a nice play call on the third and long mm-hmm. for that situation. Hopefully, get some more yards where you'd be able to flip the field at worst case scenario. So I really liked that because old Iowa and maybe old Kirk with his offensive coordinators probably would have just tried to run the football there maybe a little draw play something like that yep. and then would have just punted but you know it was nice to see that Brian actually had to thought of something to draw up there the other one was and I believe it was that uh fourth down that they went for it they it was a little screen pass from Makai Sargent again Stanley had all the pressure right in his face flipped it to Sargent Sargent ended up getting I think it was a four or five yard first down kept the chains and clock moving I thought that was a very important time in that game because the Red Hawks kind of we had a stupid turnover Red Hawks uh, yeah had that gabber back foot throw to the end zone somehow the tight end came up with it instead of one of the Iowa DBs but um I think Brian yeah, Ferentz, no. I think we have him as a good spot. I think next uh, Patriots OC is exactly where it should be. Um, you brought up my biggest concern, and we are all kind of freaking out about it on Iowa Twitter. But those third and short plays, when he brings out the jumbo sets, they're still not working. Yeah. The only time it actually works that I can remember in the game was the, the – there worked two times. Early on, we had the fullback dive on a third and one play. Brady Ross got the first down. And then that fourth and goal when we were up 10 points with about six minutes ago, Torn Young pounded that in. But he's got to be a little more innovative with some of those calls. That's why I thought, you know, that third down play at the end of the game when they were up 17 points trying to score, a t- you know, put the game away with that touchdown, running that bubble screen, I thought that was a more, you know, innovative type play. He needs to do some more stuff like that, whether it's, you can have some of the big boys in there, but doing some rollout plays. Or, you know, third and one, why not spread them out a little? Have the three wide receivers out there. Makai Sargent was running behind no fullback most of the night and having immense success. So he clearly can make guys miss. It clearly opens up the field a little more for the running game when you spread it out and you have three three wide receivers or two wide receivers and a tight end. It just opens it up more. And I think that's some of the stuff BF needs to work on and – we got next week we have Rutgers and he's going to hopefully be able to work on some of those things so we can, you know, continue on during the season when the opponents get a little tougher. And that's a, the best point I think you made at the end there. Next week needs to be yet another trial run before going into the Iowa State game. I know Iowa State almost tripped up on their own this week, but um, we all know what that game means for Matt Campbell and the the Cyclones. So if BF can kind of tinker with some things next week on those third and short situations, try some things out, maybe talk his dad into getting a little more creative on those third downs, I think that's that's very important. But um, going back to Makai Sargent, did you notice that he kind of had a little bit of that like Le'Veon Bell patience in the backfield, like just waiting for his blockers to go with him and fit? Like, there's been some running backs in Iowa history that I've just like they get the ball and they go. But yeah. today, Makai had some. He had that patience where he just waited for his guys to go make their blocks, and then he kind of slithered his way through the open holes that they created. And I think that's going to be the most important thing for him moving forward is that he's already showing that ability to do that. 
Yeah, he he made some amazing cutbacks. He the patience was there. My favorite play of the entire game of Makai Sargent you just brought up a few minutes ago was that big third down play late in the game where they they brought the house. Makai Sargent not only laid out the linebacker coming for Nate Stanley, but then made the catch on the screen play. Yep. I mean, he smacked that linebacker, stuck him. He didn't get to Nate. Nate made a quick decision, dumped it off to Makai. Makai got like seven, eight yards on the play. I mean. He played a great game. He was my team MVP today, Makai. I mean, he had he led the team in rushing, scored a rushing touchdown. He also led the team in receiving. I mean, he was everywhere. He was all purpose. He's hell. He might have heard you tell him say that he's going to be a Dope Walker Award finalist a couple weeks ago, and that, that might have inspired Makai. Who knows? So the, uh, this brings us to our next segment. Finish the sentence. Makai Sargent is what? Makai Sargent is clearly the best back at Iowa. That's what I saw tonight. You know I'm a big Torn Young guy. Torn got himself. He played a. He had a nice game as well. He averaged over five and a half yards of carry himself. So I don't want to you know discount what Torn Young did. But to me, Makai Sargent showed tonight. He's the best running back on Iowa. He should get you know if they want to split it up. If they're going to go three backs and have Goodson get some carries, Makai Sargent should get 55, 60 percent of the touches and. He's clearly your best receiving back. We already knew that coming in, and he showed that again tonight. I agree. The splits is exactly where it needs to be. Makai getting four or five catches with about 15 carries. Seems about the right amount of touches for him. He got a buck 56 in total yards today. He was really the honestly the difference maker outside of some you know big plays in the end zone from Brandon Smith and probably Amir Smith-Marset. Um, uh, the next one that I have for you, champ, is Nate Stanley was... Nate Stanley was damn good. That's a, I mean, that's as simple as I can make it. Nate Stanley played a good game. You know, I, I, this is a year where I need Nate Stanley to be the best quarterback in the Big Ten. And if he keeps playing like he did tonight, he's well on his way there. Yes, he missed a couple plays. Not every quarterback's going to be perfect. I'd say 70% completion percentage is damn good. Did not turn over the ball. That's a big thing with Nate. And hey, by my count, he had a touchdown pass in the fourth quarter. How many did he have all of last year? I think only one. I think we talked about that. He only had one TD pass the entire season last year in the fourth quarter, and he's already matched that total tonight. And he's well on his way to having a good year, I hope. Did he I mean, temper your I, concern tonight? He tempered it a little bit, yes. I mean, he. my biggest concern with him is his downfield passing and keep making sure he doesn't turn over the ball. He didn't turn over the ball tonight. He hit a couple deep passes downfield and drew a couple pass interferences on a couple other plays that would have resulted in most likely completions. That Amir Smith-Marset play would have been a touchdown. He flat out grabbed him. That would have been a a 60-plus yard touchdown and would have made Nate Stanley's numbers even better tonight. So he did everything you can ask for out of a senior quarterback tonight, and I think he played great. That reminded me of the play in the Big Ten Championship game when uh, they held on to Vandenberg down the sideline. It was a very similar type of feeling. Yep, um, it was. Let's flip it to the defensive side of the football because we haven't really touched on it. Um, what did you kind of see from the defense? Uh, are you a little concerned the defensive line didn't get too much pressure tonight um, going into some harder matchups uh, in the next couple weeks? To be honest, I think the defense was below average tonight. I'm going to be flat-out honest. They played a freshman quarterback making his first start. He's never thrown a pass He had some swagger, game. though. He, I mean, I didn't even realize going into this game that it's Blaine Gabbert's brother. Yeah. Like, did you? And I he was third that. on the depth chart. Like, when we were researching this week, nobody was talking yeah. about him. It was two other guys that were up for that starting role. 
Exactly. So, I mean, to be honest, our supposed best player, All-American, and A.J. Epinesa was not seen all night. He didn't get to the quarterback at all. He made one slight play where he kind of got to the quarterback. But if you're going to go wait, by... Wait, 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 wait. That interception, it was Maui that, like, hammered Gabbard into the ground. Okay, that's the play I'm talking about. But also, Gabbard, that was a quick pass where he just misread it and it was an interception. I, my biggest thing was this. The defensive line didn't get home a lot. They need to play a lot better. And my biggest concern of the entire night was the secondary not being able to make plays yes. on balls in the air. I mean, there was numerous opportunities to go get the ball, at least deflect the ball, let alone make inter- make plays with interceptions. Maybe it was just they didn't have the legs under them week one. That's what I'm hoping because they misjudged a couple balls. Hankins, I remember at least two times misjudging, yes, you know, jumping for like a couple plays he could have made. Maybe it's just week one. I don't want to crazy overreact. But if you're going to ask me if I had to grade the defense tonight, I would give them a C-. minus. I don't think they played very well. Yes, they only gave up 14 points, but, you know, Miami of Ohio was driving a lot and, you know, having opportunities to score. So they're going to need to play better. If they're going to win the Big Ten West, they're going to have to play a lot better than they did tonight. Yeah, no, I. they did only give up 14 points, and it was, I mean, they weren't horrible. I get what you're saying about the, the secondary. There was a couple times that, like you mentioned, Matt Hankins was out of position. I think DJ Johnson got burned on one or two of those as well. Uh, he had a, speaking of DJ Johnson, like he was not on the field a lot. I He was on the field in the first quarter, I noticed, but primarily after that, they were playing a lot of three linebacker sets, a lot of 4-3. I didn't see a lot of DJ Johnson at all. I don't know if that was just me or... I don't think he got a lot of snaps. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he did either. It'd be interesting to see what the snaps are when they come out. But um, no, I, I'm with you on the defensive line. It was concerning. AJ did get a lot of double, triple teams, and he was getting eaten up. But the rest of those guys, this past week, Kirk said that the defensive line's ten deep. So if that's a fact, those other nine guys, if AJ's getting two, three dudes on him consistently when he played basically the entire game, those guys need to get home, and it's going to be important for them to get there next week. I do think when they came out of half, somebody, probably Phil Parker, lit a fire under their ass a little bit, and they did have a little bit more juice than they did that entire first half. But, um, yeah, Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, the third quarter, they played very well. I mean, they played a a great quarter. Well, they shut them out, yeah. They didn't give up anything in the. Th- I don't even think they gave up a first down in the third quarter. I think they completely shut them out. And to give credit where credit is due, they didn't give up anything on the ground. I mean, Miami of Ohio couldn't run the ball much at all tonight. That they were pr- primarily they getting had fifty nine yards, yards rushing. Yeah, I mean, Iowa played well against the run. So, I mean, the line. If I had to rate what units did the best, I would say the linebackers probably played the best out of the three units of the defense. They were constantly you know getting pressure in the run game making plays you know not allowing even when they had you know four or five yard rushes you know bringing guys down so it wasn't even even a bigger gain so yeah I think the linebackers did a pretty good job well if the linebackers are doing a good job of the run game you do know that that means the defensive line did their job I mean yes maybe <laughs> C minus C- might have been a little harsh a little harsh maybe, a little harsh maybe I'll change it to C they did only give up 14 points I'm just expecting a lot from this defense yeah. so I need them to get more pressure and I need them to create more plays in the secondary I they think didn't do enough of that tonight That is totally fair All right champ last part for today the one big question after finally seeing some Iowa football are the Iowa Hawkeyes Big 10 contenders still in your eyes 
Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, this is game one. You know there's going to be some rust. You probably saw that with some of the secondary, even the D-line. I mean, it, to be, let's be honest with A.J. Abanessa. He's never played a full game like he did tonight. So maybe he was a little winded. He wasn't in the, you know, full physical condition that he's going to be hopefully later in the season. But, yeah, there's nothing that Iowa showed me tonight that says they can't be Big Ten, especially Big Ten West contenders. That, I mean, look what happened with the West this week. I mean, they're, it's definitely wide open. It's anyone's to take. Iowa and Wisconsin probably look the best out of all the teams in the West. And I've said that all year, that it's going to come down to those two teams. And I still think that matchup in Madison is going to determine who wins the Big Ten West. So they did nothing tonight that steers me away from thinking they're a contender. I agree, and I think with the more tape that comes out on the opponents that Iowa's going to face defensively, especially Phil Parker's going to be able to generate a solid enough defense to figure that out. I do believe that when they decide to go full cash, that's when they kind of got that juice back a little bit too by having that extra DB out there. So I, I think that's still the play here. Iowa probably needs to have that 65 um, 35 split that we discussed before being in the nickel. But um, I'm with you. Iowa, this did nothing for, to temper my expectations for Iowa making the Big Ten championship and beating Ohio State. I think all the horses are there. The best part for me today was the receivers. I think they did show themselves today. I think we can see it now. It's not just conjecture of us just all kind of hoping that they're going to be great. I think that there are legitimate three, four, five dudes on the receiving staff that are going to continue to make big plays for Iowa and are going to be able to fill in those Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson uh, roles that we're missing this season. Yeah, and Oliver Martin didn't even, I mean, Oliver Martin had maybe 10 snaps all night, so he's definitely getting more. He's going to have to get more into the playbook, you know, more conditioned and play a little more snaps. But, I mean, he had a touchdown tonight. Welcome to the team, Oliver. We freed you. You had that big touchdown. But, yeah, as he works himself into, you know, learning the playbook more and doing all that kind of stuff, that's the only reason I can think of him not playing more snaps is he just needs to, you know, yeah. get more involved with the offense, and I think that's going to come with time. And, yeah, I mean, the receiver showed. Brandon Smith had a great play. He's going to be your red zone target, I think, this year. That big body. I mean, he I, he could do a little more during the game as well. But I'm, I don't want to be too critical. But he played well. I, I'll give him that. And, I mean, you know I love Amir, and he had a nice touchdown too. So. He did. Let's keep it going, baby. Brandon Smith has Gawagi. Go up and get it ability, baby. He does. He does. And I would love to see more times where they throw that fade. I mean, it's unguardable. With a ball placed in the right position, no one can get it from Brandon Smith. He's not only big. But those hands, we know how huge they are. Speaking of that last thing, Nate Stanley, it didn't go for a completion or a touchdown, but the fade he threw to Tyrone Tracy in the end zone at the end of that game was an absolute dime piece. Dime. That might have been his best throw of the night, and it wasn't even caught. Like, what happened there, Tyrone? you got to make that play. Tyrone got turned around pretty bad on that one, but it was a beautiful drop in the bucket. If Stanley could do more of those in the open field when there's 50, 60, 70 yards of space in front of him, we're going to have a very successful Iowa football football season yes sir we are we're, but hey jerome we're one and oh baby that's a great way to start the year in my book and you're one and know at the book so hopefully everybody else went to the iowa books this week because it's now legal there and you all made a little money too champ anything else before we go tonight 
I'm just, it was awesome. I mean, this was a great night watching football again. It got me in the mood. I was 1-0. We got 11 more to go, and then hopefully uh, we're going to the Big Ten Championship this year. Champ's in the mood. Watch out for his wife. All right, everybody, for the People's Champ, for DC, who's in Vegas winning some money on himself, and for myself, Jerry Sherwin, this is Spoko Radio's quick recap of the Iowa's first victory, a 38-14 victory over Miami of Ohio. We'll see you all on Thursday for our regular scheduled programming. Go Hawks! Go Hawks!